Welcome to the Crow's Nest. This is Frightening Frowen with Lee of Onlinos. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you. <laughs> so if you're not following them there, you should also follow Lee. Um, so we will have this segment where we are, I'm telling a story, Lee has no idea what it is, and you have more information than Lee does because you see the description and the name of who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I changed up last night who I was going to talk about because a TikTok came through. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this story sounds interesting. Um but yes, before we get started, how was your day? Um, I kind of feel like my day's just starting. I don't, I mean, that's not, I mean, I woke up early enough that that's not technically true, but you know, you just have those days where, you know, I had therapy and so it was, I, I kind of get in like wait mode and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of been waiting for this part to happen. So now the day has started, but my waiting part was so. good. I had a good waiting period. Good. And Amos got some cuddles. Yep. <laughs> um, I kind of had the same. I recorded two episodes of the other segments uh, while I was waiting. And I'm like, should I be doing this? Because my voice is going to be sore. But I talk all day anyway. So that's not a problem. But yeah, today was a lot of waiting. Yeah. I was very excited for this. Yeah, so. me too. <laughs> I even I even showered. Um, that that's that's how serious I was. I I like I showered ahead of schedule. I did not. <laughs> I did not. You can't tell. <laughs> Doesn't show. Smell it. <laughs> if the camera was closer, um, I would have totally like went in for a sniff. You know. <laughs> I made mine a little closer this time because it felt a little far away last time. Yeah. So my setup is just as janky, but I have my mic on top of my laptop. (laughs) So, um, and my, I'll find my camera eventually, but you guys can deal with grainy Tyler for a couple episodes. (laughs) You you wear the grain very well. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, so I have a funny news article that you may have already heard of this because it happened on June 20th or was it June 20th? Let's see here. July 20th. So it's a little more recent, but the news article came out today and I was just looking up to make myself feel better. Funny news. And this came up. So according to the Shepherd Express, where's that located? You know, um, the newspaper. I think it might just be online. Mm. Uh, but this particular news segment is in Columbus, Ohio. So zookeepers at the Columbus Zoo in Ohio were taken aback on July 20th when Soli, an eight-year-old Western Lowland gorilla, whom they had assumed to be a male, gave birth. <laughs> it gets weirder, though. <laughs> United Press International reported, it's hard to tell the sex of younger gorillas. The zoo said in a statement, they don't have prominent external organs. Um, They said Sully had been healthy and not in need of any procedures or medical care that that would have clued them in on her gender. Sully is 
is taking care of the baby, zookeepers now said that they need to do DNA tests to figure out which of the female gorillas that that gorilla was with is the father. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, it's funny because I've never, I've never thought about the fact that when you look at a gorilla, you don't see any kind of junk or anything. I just, it's never, Mm-mm. never, but now I'm like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. It's really funny too. Apparently they have a, like size wise are smaller than human size. So. Yeah. <laughs> and they, it hides well. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's gotta be tricky if the professionals are struggling. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's funny that he was the male that was supposed to breed with the females Mm -hmm. there. So it was all females and this one presumed male, and that male got pregnant. So one of those females is a male (laughs) as well. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, So, yeah, that made me laugh, and I had to tell somebody. Um, So... I don't know if you know of this person, but uh, the person we're going to talk about, her name is Victoria Woodhull. Uh, she was born Victoria California Claffin. Hopefully I'm saying that last name right. Do you know anything about this person? No, but I my brain is super stuck on Woodhull. Woodhull. Yeah. Hole. <laughs> Woodhull. I kept spelling it wrong because I was listening to the TikTok and trying, and the way they were saying it, was like Wood Hill, but it's W O O D H U L L, and so it took me a while to find this Wood, person. Oh, Wood Hole. Oh, Wood, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's even more yeah. like, mouthy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was born September twenty third, eighteen thirty eight, in Homer, Ohio. Uh, so she was the seventh of ten children, although a couple articles I found said they had 11 kids. But almost all of them said 10, so we'll see. Uh, four of her siblings did not survive early childhood. Oh, by the way, the county that she was born in was Licking County. <laughs> um, I, I had to add that in there. Uh, her mother was Roxanne, um, Roxy, they called her, Hummel Chaflin. Um, she was a follower of the mystic arts led by Franz Mesner. Hmm. Um, and that kind of comes into play a little bit with her life as she goes on. But uh, yeah, she grew up in within the mystic arts and her mother seemed very genuine. Uh, she There was nothing really negative to say about her, uh, but we'll get into her father. So <laughs> uh, her father was Reuben Buckman Claflin. That's a mouthful. Buckman. And he went by Buck. Buck. Yeah, Buck, Buckman. Buck. I mean, nothing, nothing against any of the nice guys named Buck out there, but like it doesn't really ever come across as a nice guy name. And this was not a nice guy. <laughs> he he is known as a con man. Uh, he did not have a law degree or medical degree, yet practiced law and medicine. Oh. And would sell snake oils. Oh. Literal snake oils. And uh, told people that he was healing their ailments uh, and they would not get other medical treatment and die. So he was a great human. <laughs> 
Um, he also, his gross behavior also went into the family, and he was very abusive. It The only reports were towards the children, but I can only imagine it was also towards his wife. Um, well, and, it, and this is, you said 1836 is when she was born, right? So... Yeah. So, like, the fact that there were reports... Oh, 1838. 1838. So, reports being made during that era, it must have been... Yeah. yeah. Um, it said that he didn't get charged with anything, but the reports were made, and the neighbors and people that knew them did know what was going on, and later on, Victoria herself um, spoke out about it. Um. So he, yeah, so then later on, Victoria also made claims that kind of went towards her father also sexually being abusive um, because she was um, cited saying that her father made her a woman before her time. Yeah. Which kind of leads us to that, which would not be shocking. Um. And so her father, uh, so she had a sister named Tennessee as well, which was one of her best friends, was her sister Tennessee. And her father ended up putting them in the newspaper and putting out ads that Victoria and Tennessee were mediums, which Victoria really had a lot of like intuition and things like that, but she didn't want to be a medium that for sale by her father. And he was charging people a dollar a session and how much do you think a dollar a session would be in today's money from back then? I don't know, like 50 bucks or something? 39.62 in today's dollars. Ah. And which is a pretty decent amount of money for it that was for like their common reading, yeah. like short readings for people. And this was his teenage daughters. They uh Victoria was I don't know how old Tennessee was, but Victoria at the time was 14. Um, when he started doing this and she hated it. Uh, she hated that her dad got all the money. Uh, her and her sister were making all the money for the family at that time because all he was doing was promoting them making money. Yeah. And they were good at it. Uh, the two of them were good at it, so people were coming to them and uh, getting readings done. Uh, so Victoria did see how corrupt this was and she had an opportunity to marry somebody at 15 so a 28 year old doctor came to take care of one of her siblings and he actually abducted her but she willfully went but abducted her from her family and married her mm-hmm. <laughs> yay that's the way you escape a, <laughs> yeah. a horrible family back then um, his name was Dr. Canning Hood Woodhull and she would keep that last name through her life even after they were not no longer together Um, But they got married when she was 15. It was, I believe, two months after she turned 15 they got married. And um, their marriage ended in 1865. Uh, So they weren't married, like, they were married 12 years. Which probably seemed like a long time because right after they got married, she realized he was a horrible, abusive alcoholic. Imagine that. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, (laughs) when you really know a guy. Yeah. and he also, his alcoholism would get in the way of work um, as a doctor, and he would go long periods of time without working, and she would have to go to work in order to provide income for their family. And she, this was through her pregnancies, and women weren't really working back then. Um, 
And so she had to do a lot of odd jobs like medium stuff to be able to support their family. Uh, She did give birth to two children, um, Byron and Zulu, which she later renamed Zulu Zula. (laughs) I don't know if it, I don't know if it was like an error on the birth certificate when she had her, but she changed her name to Zula. Um, And soon after Zula was born was when they got divorced in 1865. Um, But yeah, that was terrible. So uh, there also was reports that Byron um, had some mental disabilities. And she blamed her husband's alcoholism on it. Uh, But there's reports that he also fell out of a window. So we're not really sure which uh, contributed to this or both. But he had some developmental disabilities. But she did a lot to take care of him. So she... Um, wasn't angry at her child, but angry at her husband blaming him drinking when she got pregnant. Uh, It also, she speaks out a lot about the fact that her pregnancies were not her choice. And she hated that women were being assaulted by their husbands. And she really saw the negative aspects of marriage and of women in marriage and how little control they had over their own bodies um, growing up from their fathers and then once married um, to their husbands. But very soon after she got divorced, she got remarried um, to her second husband, Colonel James Harvey Blood. <laughs> I think she... I think she should have taken yeah, that last name yeah, and not kept yeah. her previous name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of one of the one of those people they had, you know, the history of probably like uh sailors or, or shipbuilders or something. And then she married the vampire. The, the, yeah, know? and he was a cool dude too. <laughs> like this guy was actually a nice guy. Um, so I was very happy to read there's a lot about him as well so I dove into him but I didn't want to tell too much of his story to take away from her but he was very supportive of her he allowed her to use his name to open up businesses and to push her own her own narrative and life because it wasn't her fault she couldn't have her name on things Mm -hmm. so he allowed her to use his name to further her career um So uh, he was actually a Union Army officer, uh, colonel, during the Civil War. Um, He became the city auditor of St. Louis, Missouri um, in April 1864. And um, so after this, she started billing herself as a, a, a spiritualistic physician, and she did a lot of magnet therapy for people. Mm -hmm. Which is cool because a lot of what she did um, kind of pioneered what we do now with magnet therapy. And back then it was seen as a hoax and all this stuff. But it actually does have some benefits to physicians. And there's full, like, institutes that just focus on magnet therapy. And it seems to do a lot of good. And so she didn't know why it was doing good. but yeah, um, But it worked to heal some people, so... She actually made quite a bit of money as a spiritualistic physician. Um, so in her first session with blood is how they met. So her husband met as one of her uh, clients through her therapy. Um, and in her therapy as a medium with him, she predicted their marriage. <laughs> 
Hmm. And he <laughs> later came back to another session and proposed to her. <laughs> um, so Woodhull um, also, so she, so they were both actually still married at the time when they met. Um, and he wasn't doing well in his marriage and she wasn't in hers. So they got divorced and then soon after married each other. Yeah. Um, it was actually immediately after both divorces were complete. Uh, so the couple then left St. Louis in 1865, moving from uh, through Midwestern cities before reaching New York, um, where she knew she wanted to be in order to um, do all the things she wanted in her life. So he moved there for her. Um, so um, she actually, so Woodhull denounced a lot of... Um, like male practices so a lot of the patriarchy and things like that in relationships and was a very big advocate for divorce (laughs) which is so funny uh she said sometimes people just fall out of love and need to get divorced sometimes they something happens or you start to love someone else and you shouldn't cheat on them so you should leave and be able to marry them she was very against um extracurricular activities outside of your marriage but she was all for leaving that marriage and going to someone else yeah um and she um when she ended up um in 1876 uh she filed for divorce with uh blood he even then said that she was the grandest woman in the world (laughs) even through their divorce but he actually helped her um set up a Um, let me see was it before so before they got divorced he helped her set up a campaign um, as well as a newspaper uh, company so she was an editor and writer and so was her sister in a newspaper um, in New York which is why they moved there Um, but they did get divorced in 1876 but that leads us over to 1872 before they got divorced victoria was the first female to run for u.s president hmm. um she so the uh sh- so she ran for the equal rights party and her running mate was frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass, who was an abolitionist leader uh did not know he was her running mate but she put him on the ballot. <laughs> so, and she technically was six months too young to run for president, but she did go throughout the whole um, election process and everything. And back then, women couldn't even vote. So she knew she probably wasn't going to get it because the men would have to vote for her. Mm-hmm. And she was very uh, for equal rights, as well as part of the free love movement. Um so she was very for divorce, women not being abused, women not being raped in marriage, and not having to bear children if they didn't want to. Yeah. Um, and so she knew men weren't going to vote for her and women couldn't vote, but she stayed there through the candidacy and tried to shake things up. Uh, later on, people tried to take her off as the first woman who ran for president because she was too young, technically, but they let her run back then. So she really did run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, her, her platform was based on, like I said, the free love movement, um, meaning that people should have the right to marry, divorce, have children or not have children without government interference. 
Um, and she was an official candidate. It was not until later in the candidacy that they challenged it. Um, I believe they have reinstated that she was the first woman to run for president, though. Men just wanted to take her off of there. Yeah. I can't um, even imagine how many women don't show up in history books because history has been rewritten by men. Exactly. I actually was going through people today for future episodes, and I think I found, like, 25 women that I want to talk about that were written out of history books. And I'm like, they this existed. They were part of this. They were a huge part of it, and men took credit for it. Right. So. Plus all the all the creative women who did stuff under their husbands' names that we may never know mm-hmm. that it was actually a woman running things because, yeah. Exactly. He had almost no touch on that newspaper, yet it's him and her. I love that, like... As the owner. Like, that it sounds like he really respected her as the person that she was. So even when they divorced, like, he still had that, like, respect for her. I think that's really cool and that that stayed through the stories and the information about them, you know, 200 years later or almost 200 years. He never said a bad word about her. Yeah. (laughs) He did remarry afterwards. Uh, He remarried another woman and he went on a gold adventure uh, and he found gold. He struck gold and then died during that. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. (laughs) On his his 52nd birthday. It's like, it's like winning the lottery and then tripping and falling and dying like the next day <laughs> hopefully his wife got the gold no, please. <laughs> um, but like men do two days before the election she was arrested <laughs> and tried for and I think found guilty of writing obscenity obscenities in the newspaper um can you guess what that would be? What her article is about? Um, orgasms? <laughs> Female I, orgasms? I, like, I don't, I I don't know. <laughs> um, she found out because... Um, so Elizabeth Tilton um, had publicly announced that she had been having an affair with Henry Ward Beecher, who was a prominent minister um, and high up in politics and very influential and so she wrote about the affair from Elizabeth Tilton and she was very against affairs like I had said and very against going outside of your marriage that you should leave that person if you're going to go be with someone else Mm -hmm. and she wrote about that and um, so of course the men running against her and the ones supporting those people um, already were appalled that a woman was even running when they can't even vote (laughs) And the one supporting the... Yeah, sorry. I already read that. Um, So they hated the fact that she even had a voice and a newspaper and was being read and people actually liked what she had to say that they ended up having her arrested two days before the election. Sounds about right. Uh, Yeah. I wonder if if her issue with extramarital stuff had to do with, like, um, like the the idea that like marriage makes it moral or if it had to do with like honesty because like having an affair is an yeah. integrity thing you know I think it probably was a mixture of the two um, I think it was that 
she because it's weird because she wasn't a christian and she so it wasn't those values it had to be something else so i think it did have to do with um the moral side of it of not going outside of that person and hurting that person yeah that it's better to leave if if you're going to do that um she like polyamory really wasn't a thing in the u.s so it wasn't like you were having known relationships with more than one person and who knows what she would have thought about that but with the way things were um i have a feeling that her first husband probably was doing that and then she also saw what her dad did to her mom um and i have a feeling that he also was doing that i mean it with other people not even her um but yeah she she also was known that she didn't hate men she was very attracted to them (laughs) and uh she knew that there were good men but she also knew the laws did not protect good women Mm -hmm. (laughs) it didn't protect women at all um in relationships they were property and she hated that and the thing she hated the most was sexual um, abuse in relationships. Yeah. Uh, and women being forced to carry children and not have careers was another one. Um, and I have a feeling her two children were of that. Probably. Because um, it didn't didn't seem like she actually wanted to have children. <laughs> um, but when she had them, she took care of them. Um, but yeah, she she was very prominent in the political parties and the movements and trying to get rights to women and at least got some views on that and other women standing up and understanding that some of their body autonomy. Um, and so a lot of people looked up to her and she was actually very popular among women and men who loved women. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but she did not win the presidency. (laughs) Uh, she did go on to uh, run again the next election as well uh, when she was old enough. And I believe she was still the only woman at that point in time to have run for presidency legitimately. Um, so what is this? Oh, yeah, she wanted women. Um, so her biggest thing that she spoke out at, like at events and things like that was... Um, she said, by nature, um, women, the rights of sexual, uh, should own the rights of sexual determination. When the instinct is aroused in her, then and then only should, should commence follow, meaning yeah. that's the only time they should be able to have sex is when a woman actually wants to. Yeah. Um, when, when women um, rises from sexual slavery to sexual freedom into the ownership and control of her sexual organs, the man is obligated to respect this freedom. Then um, will this instincts become pure and holy. Then will women be raised from the inequity, um, the morbidness in which she sorry, now wallows for existence and the intensity and glory of her creativity functions be increased a hundredfold. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree as well. It's just, it's just better when people want it and get to have fun and explore it and have it be like natural. 
And here's another thing that I do respect. So she was pro-life, um, but she said we cannot abolish abortion until women have the right to decide whether or not they want to be pregnant. She said there, as much as I hate that women are killing their babies post-birth because some of them couldn't have access, they were stuck in their homes and so they didn't want the babies and they would kill them post-birth, as well as women just not taking care of them because of, I mean, depression that happens anyway, even if it was a wanted pregnancy and we didn't have care for that. Um, But then also abortions, which were hard to get and were very dangerous. She said no woman would choose to get pregnant to have an abortion. She said this is not a woman problem. This is a man problem. And men are getting these women pregnant that do not want babies. Yeah. And I'm like, that's how pro-life should be. You should be like, okay, I see the issues, though. I see why this is a problem. And let's fight the actual problem. As much as I'm pro-choice, I respect her view as a pro-life person. Yeah. Um, so later on in life, so she had her newspaper, um, which she started running with her sister um, once she got divorced, as well as during their marriage. Let's face it. He had nothing to do with it. Um, but she started uh, writing about free love and women empowerment and as well as speeches that she ended up doing out in public um, at colleges and anywhere that would have her. Uh, She also ended up um, like she also ended up starting her own practice in pseudomedicine um, as the alternative medical practitioner um, using the magnetic fields and she started a lot of electromagnetic therapies for people um, which again back then they saw as like being a witch and I'm glad that this was after the 1600s or else she would have been burned at the stake right. but um, <laughs> but there were a lot of people who were very into all of this just because it was helping um, whether or not it was a placebo effect they saw that eastern medicine was helping with a lot of things and now we know some of it was science. Yeah. I one thought uh, I like uh yeah. the free yeah. love. Yeah. She, so she free love a hundred years almost exactly a hundred years later meant something way more expansive. Yeah. Like I just I was just like I if she could have seen into the future and known that those words would have been used for for that, mm-hmm. she probably would have just been like, Oh no. <laughs> Exactly. She'd be like, oh, my gosh, now everyone's sleeping with everybody. Yeah, But also with all the birth control and all that, I mean, that sort of symbolizes the freedom that women started to have, that which is exactly what she wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think she may have seen it differently if people were allowed, if she knew any other type of relationship other than marriage, because back then that was the only type of relationship there was. There was courting and marriage. Yeah. So there really was no other reason to date besides my family wants me to marry this person or I want to marry this person. Yep. Um, so I think she may have seen things differently if she was exposed to other types of, like with everything else in her life, I think she would have been for the 60s. Yeah. I mean, with, with like, I mean, the social pressures, like you couldn't have a like a boyfriend. You couldn't not be married. I mean, you would be mm-hmm. like denied access to housing and 
buying groceries and just been completely ostracized. So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And she didn't, she definitely spearheaded a lot of things, but we don't know what we don't know. And so that not even, not even having access to that knowledge of that type of relationship existing. Yeah. Um, just like us who grew up in purity culture, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's marriage and there's sinners. (laughs) Um, uh, so yeah, the actual spiritualist movement started in 1870 and she actually was a huge part of that. Um, and so I went sister, witch. (laughs) um, (laughs) and she wrote a bunch of articles uh, that many men tried to get taken out they tried to make it so she couldn't even write in her own newspaper because they didn't like what she was writing about about spiritualism and women empowerment and the women's suffrage movement Um, so she was huge in the women's suffrage movement Uh, yeah and she used her income from the newspaper to um, help towards women's liberation movement. Um, so, and her husband, um, uh, we already talked about that. He helped her, you know. <laughs> he just supported her. He didn't speak for her. Uh, and I honestly, after reading so many articles about the two of them, I think it was more of a m- marriage of him just trying to help her. I don't think it was a romantic marriage. I think it was a friendship. Yeah. Um, and then once she didn't need that anymore and she had enough of her own, um, then he went off to actually have a relationship where he was in love. (laughs) Uh, so I think some of their sessions there were talking about some business arrangements and both of them making money. Yeah. So, but the thing is she was not only spiritually savvy she was also very financially savvy and she managed the finances in their relationship as well as her friends and she ended up being the first woman to operate a brokerage firm um making her a lot of money her and her sister managed this brokerage firm on wall street wow um yeah so she was like doing Uh, the newspaper thing and then also doing like Yep. She was doing both. And her clients, um, so her agents, so let's see. So the newspaper um, in the U.S., and it was called, so her newspaper was called Woodhull and Chafflin's Weekly. So they did put her last name first, (laughs) but the business name was in her uh, ex-husband's name. Um, But, yeah, she actually started um, working with the, Vanderbilts and she made them millions of dollars like on money that she was in today's money but on the money that they were making hundreds of dollars on she said let me help you like your people are ridiculously stupid and she took their money and made them millions and (laughs) um, so she actually made them kind of what they are today with their money in New York Um, Then in October 1876, Woodhull divorced her second husband, um, Colonel Blood, and... Such a cool name. um, I know. (laughs) Um, And then after Cornelius Vanderbilt's death in 1877, William Henry Vanderbilt paid Woodhull and her sister, um, uh, her sister, 
$1,000, which is equivalent to about $27,000 today, to leave the country because he was worried they might testify in hearings on the distribution of the elder Vanderbilt's estate. It's because they knew all the ins and outs of their money, and so they didn't want them to be forced to testify, so he moved them to Great Britain in August of 1877 so they wouldn't be able to testify in court um, about the money and where it's being moved to, and I think it was so that he could get the money. Yeah. Um, but they already had a ton of money, so they she actually started lecturing in England because they were a little more progressive about women there, shockingly. Um, she wasn't allowed to be a professor, but she could be a lecturer at the college, and so she started lecturing about um, women's rights, about humanitarianism, and about... Um, about a lot of different uh, movements that she was already a part of, as well as uh, spirituality and healing and things like that in the colleges. And with the help of her daughter, Zula, which there was no mention of her children up until this time. Mm. (laughs) So I don't know what they were doing this whole time until this. But um, so with the help of her daughter, Zula, she actually started a publishing company in England and she wrote... um, her and her daughter both wrote a lot of books, and they started a kindergarten curriculum for children in England, because um, not all children were starting real school at that time, so they started an actual kindergarten curriculum, um, and at the end of that, um, she ended up dying on my sister's birthday um, in 1927, um, natural causes, um, and it was weird because it says she died at Norton Park in Bredens Norton and I don't know if that's the name of a hospital or if she died in a park but I could not find the answer to that she had a long life um she did yeah and she did so much with her life and no one freaking talks about her yeah and like her daughter had to have been doing stuff because when she shows up in the story or in the timeline again she's capable of helping to write like books and do all this stuff so you know yeah yeah she ended up writing books and she did lectures herself too so she had to have been doing stuff with her mom um and her aunt but it was very hard i couldn't find anything about zula between those timelines but her son um the one with the special needs uh, she did take care of him his whole life she didn't institutionalize him but she was a very uh big advocate of um eugenics but not the type that we think of uh she was very much for women having the right to marry and men having the right to marry who they want so that their genetic um nature (laughs) would actually produce children that she thought that children were born with disabilities if they were forced to have children with people with addictions or people who also had genetic abnormalities in their families and things like that. Um, Her eugenics had nothing to do with race or anything like that. It was about choosing your partner and deciding whether or not you want to combine your genetic material together. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was a big movement back then too. And the word often is used for both people with mental disabilities, but also white supremacy so yeah they're 
kind of different different mindsets you know because i don't yeah. i don't disagree with the idea of like being it like being just like picky and decisive about who you breed with you know mm-hmm. and it's it's not about like people not deserving life or whatever it's about giving your children the best chance you know and obviously yeah. there's a slippery slope there which is why it it's people generally prefer not to even like go there because of that slippery slope but you know like if i was at a breeding age i would want to get like genetic testing to make sure that both my partner mm-hmm. and i were not combining to basically guarantee some horrific like you know disease for for, yeah. for our child and if there's a way like a treatment or you know because that's where we're going in the future is that we're going to be able to like basically treat these issues so that that's not an yeah. issue and yeah exactly and she also was not for put just putting your child in an institution just because they had issues she was pro-life and was pro like giving the best opportunity to your children um and her son did stay with her through his life as well but um she was so it wasn't like she thought that those people didn't shouldn't exist it was that she wanted to give people that do exist the best chances and opportunities yeah um so they didn't live out their lives having issues and i think like at that time Um, there weren't really any programs to like help families to you know basically we're mm-hmm. taking care of that's why the institutions were so popular yep they couldn't afford it and there were doctors that like it was hard to get into a doctor or have a doctor come to you that knew how to take care of anything it was mainly like general doctors that just knew how to deliver babies and tell you if you had the flu and bleed you yeah <laughs> um but it wasn't doctors that specialized in things. Not that they were great at it. The ones that did (laughs) back then. Um, But yeah, she had a lot of awards and different memorials and things like that. And I'll list those in the description um, because it's very fascinating. And if there's one near you guys, if you're listening, uh, you should go check them out and look more into her. Cause like I said, I, found out about her I think it was two days ago and decided to change up who I was talking about today because she was so fascinating and I did not realize that that early on women had gone for the presidency because they couldn't even vote yeah like it's pretty I didn't know pretty ballsy you know just like just be like well I can't vote but I'm gonna run and campaigning back then what was that like yeah because there was no real like widespread media even newspapers were like localized to different areas so how do you even you get to travel around and talk to people and yeah i wonder like what that was like too as a woman like you know because i i could almost imagine that she would be talking to people who might be curious and listening but then there's gonna be these other Mm -hmm. people that are like woman talking bad rawr you know like we're not even gonna go to that yeah they're gonna they're gonna protest it yell and throw stuff you know yeah apparently she was really good at talking because she made a lot of money doing it yeah 
she was already wealthy before she started the newspaper. And she was wealthy from doing her, like, healing stuff and working as a, uh, whatever, a medium, yeah. I think is well, what it Well, was. I was thinking, like, the uh, history of growing up in an abusive environment and then doing, like, the medium work at such a young age. She must have been really good at reading people. Oh, yeah. And her mom was as well. So I'm sure she watched her mom because her mom was a medium. And I'm sure she watched her mom and what her mom did. And really, she could have been, like, an amazing private investigator, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like the show Sight. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think I read people pretty well, but I'm definitely not at that level. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, she was fascinating. Um the next one will probably be shorter that we do just because there was less information. I might try to find a little more, but, um, but yeah, she's fascinating too. And was going to be my first one, Mm -hmm. but she got bumped. She got bumped. (laughs) She's very amazing. I don't want the person's child who is prominent to be mad at me for saying that. (laughs) Well, she got, she got bumped, not because of her. She got bumped because of dopamine. (laughs) <laughs> that dopamine just made you go woo <laughs> exactly and I'm like first woman president candidate <laughs> um, now I want to look at all the other women president candidates but there's been like a bunch just cause but anyone lists oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say just cause one, one does it and it sparks sparks the idea for others exactly um and anyone listening, if you have anyone that you want us to talk about or don't think have enough words out there about them and were taken out of history books or never put in, uh, we will talk about them. And if you have anyone in your own life you think is amazing, write us about that and we may talk about them too or have them on the show to talk about themselves. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm sorry for this awkwardness of me doing this for the first time and reading and telling stories on camera. <laughs> I covered my face so I couldn't see myself. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I left it small on my side, so I can't really, like... I'm like, so if the if the view is not actually good or the angle's not good, I don't even... I'll never know. <laughs> we won't know. Um, so yes, if you guys want to hear about anything, feel free to talk. If you have notes on anything that we could do differently or that you'd like to see differently, uh, feel free to leave those in the comments as well. And I look forward to us getting better and better and less awkward or different awkward. Yeah, I'm forever awkward. So, you know, (laughs) it'll be like a more specialized awkward, like... (laughs) Um, but I'm loving learning about people and I have a list of like, I I put them in sections so that I do different types of stories. Um, but I'm doing people who are evil, people who, women who are evil, women who are like pioneers of things, women with just weird stories. And (laughs) so I want a combination of different types of stories from about women who are just frightening for different reasons. So anyone thinks of anyone that they want me to talk about feel free to put it down there and let's shock lee and the more questions and weird 
remarks from that one, <laughs> the better. Yeah, I, I, I'm here for it because, like, I find the topic interesting, plus, like, your enthusiasm makes it even better. But, like, I literally do not have, like, whatever it takes to, like, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't hook me to do my own research, right? So I want to learn about it from you because, you know, you're, you make it, like, yeah. I can't wait to hear, to hear more. To hear more. Plus, I, I have I'm very curious. two more written up. Oh, you do? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm also curious to see if anybody writes in to, to offer any suggestions. Because there's got to be people that, like, maybe you wouldn't be able to find as easily into Google. But, like, uh, you, you know, people have heard about locally or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I want people to write in. Because I want to be able to read those stories that are nowhere um, and I want to put them somewhere for you and us be able to talk about them and just give them the notoriety they deserve whether it's good or bad yeah <laughs> um, yeah do you have someone in your history of your family with a weird story or an evil story did they rob banks and get away with it and now you have weird things in your attic <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I had something like that in my family. I know. I mean, I do, but they're already known about. Like, they're already in the history books. Both ways, though. (laughs) Because I'm related to the McLowrys um, from Tombstone. Okay. The bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) The bad guys. Um, It's told both ways. Both people were bad. I will tell you, no one was good (laughs) in that scenario. It's always about greed, okay? <laughs> and power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we will we will fine-tune things. We'll always be awkward, but we'll be whatever kind of awkward we feel like that day. Yep. It's going to vary. It's going to be the rainbow of awkward. Um, we both have our own Patreons, and I believe we're both going to post this segment on our Patreons, right? Yeah. Um, So it'll be on both of them, and we will probably post early on Patreon for this, uh, as long as I can get it edited. (laughs) Eventually it'll be early, but we'll see (laughs) how quickly I can edit this one. And um, yeah, we will see you on the flip side. 